Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When Dalia Hatuka was a little girl, she thought she knew who Shireen Abu Akla was. Mostly because Shireen was on TV all the time, reporting for Al Jazeera. Dahlia grew up in the Palestinian city of Ramallah in the occupied West Bank. Night after night, Dahlia would click on the news, and there Shireen would be. Like, I think every, maybe almost every single, like, Arab person or person from the Middle East, like, grew up watching her for decades. It just felt like every girl wanted to be her. For... Most Arabs, Palestine is not some place that's accessible, you know, like Jerusalem and the Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa Mosque. These places aren't accessible, but people love these places. They're important to them, like whether they're Muslim or Christian or, or anything. And so Shireen kind of brought Palestine to everybody's home. She kind of filled their living rooms with all these stories and, and helped them be in Palestine, so to speak. Dahlia says the Shireen she grew up with, the on-camera Shireen, was empathetic but serious, cool, collected. And so as soon as I met her, I was like, oh, wow, no, this girl is totally different. She surprised you. Oh, definitely. They met in Al Jazeera's D.C. bureau. After watching Shireen on TV for so many years, Dahlia had become a journalist herself. She wasn't a diva, even though she was a media darling, if that makes sense. She's always laughing. Her laughter is infectious. Very much different from her demeanor on camera. Can you give me an example? Like, is there something she said to you where you're like, oh, this one's got a sense of humor? Uh, Honestly, I I don't want to share it because it's like, quite, you know, rated R. <laughs> this is the Shireen Dahlia is trying to hold on to these days. The Shireen who is unafraid of a dirty joke. The Shireen who she went shopping with. Instead of the Shireen who's become infamous for the way she died. The honest voice never dies. That's what people were chanting after Al Jazeera correspondent Shireen Abu Akla was killed on assignment in the West Bank this week. Shireen Abu Akleh, an American citizen, was known across the Middle East for her coverage on Al Jazeera. Tonight, her employer says she was assassinated in cold blood by Israeli forces, citing eyewitness accounts from her crew. While Israel's defense minister saying it's still unclear if she was killed by an Israeli or Palestinian. When was the last time you saw or spoke with Shireen? So I was supposed to see her in May. I went to Ramallah and she wrote me and she's like, I I really want to see you. And I said, yes, of course, like I'm going to see you for sure. And things got crazy. I was working a lot. My kid was with me and, and I didn't. And I regret that so much. Like, 
I think about that at night and I just say, that's on you. You could have made the time and you didn't. And it just, it hurts. You know, Al Jazeera um, announced that she had died and a part of me still doesn't get it. There are moments where I'm like, oh, I'll go back to Ramallah and I'll, I'll, I'll call her up and I'll hang out or something, you know, something entirely ridiculous. Today on the show, trying to make sense of the death of Shireen Abu Akleh, an American citizen, a journalist, and for Palestinians, an icon. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I want to lay out a little bit, if you will, with me, how Shireen Abu Akla was killed and also just some key events that followed her, her death. The morning of May 11th, Shireen was with a producer from Al Jazeera. They were covering a raid in the Palestinian city of Jenin in the occupied West Bank. Why was she there? Like, what was happening? So basically, she was on assignment. Um, she was covering this raid on a refugee camp, like you said. I read that her boss actually said, this story may be too small for you to go. It wasn't her boss. I think it was one of the producers. And, you know, he was saying, maybe we should send someone else. Or The thing is, she never felt like the story was, you know, too small for her. But um, Shireen was wearing a vest that said press on it. She was wearing a helmet. She always did. I'll be frank, she was like way more diligent about that than I ever was. Like she wore that in places where you thought, we don't need that here. Yeah. And then the shot came through the back of her head. So, you know, she she didn't stand a chance. She didn't have time to take cover or to duck. It hit such a small area, just the uncovered portion between the helmet and the vest in the back of her neck, which is so insane because it's it's such a small area. From a journalistic point of view, the the way I see it is that like only an experienced shooter could could have made a shot like that, you know? And at the beginning, uh, when this happened, uh, Israeli authorities said that, you know, Palestinian fighters were responsible for her death. And then, you know, they circulated this video of Palestinian men shooting down an alleyway. Was that anywhere near where Shireen was? It wasn't. And researchers from the renowned Israeli human rights group B'Tselem 
uh, found the spot where this clip was filmed. It was 300 meters away with no line of sight to the place where Shirin was killed. So unless Palestinian bullets can turn corners and climb stairs, uh, the video that Israeli authorities circulated of these men shooting in, down an alleyway had nothing to do with it. And after B'Tselem came out, you know, and said this, uh, the Israelis retracted and then, you know, it kind of developed into this thing about, oh, we can't do a probe unless we have the bullet that struck her, which the Palestinian Authority has, because, you know, they they removed the fragment of the bullet from her head and, you know, they did their own probe. But now the Israelis are saying, you know, we can't do a probe because we don't have the bullet. I think it's important to highlight that it, it wasn't just the Israeli military saying, oh, it, it was Palestinians who who shot her. The Israeli prime minister suggested that she was killed by armed Palestinians. And, and, you know, later in the day, there was back and forth about it. But right away, the Israeli response was, it wasn't us. And then things began to change a little bit. But then, as you said... The question was, well, if we don't have the bullet, we can't really confirm anything. Yeah, the the thing is, uh, for those of us who have covered the, you know, the Palestinian territories for very long, I mean, I've per- personally been covering it since 2002. This isn't new. Every time a Palestinian is killed, or in this case, a Palestinian American, you know, which brings more heat on the Israeli authorities, they immediately tried to blame it on Palestinians. And then they switched the story and they said, oh, it's because we don't have a bullet. Before we get too far, I want to talk about what happened immediately after Shireen's death. Because two days later in Jerusalem, mourners were carrying her coffin, walking it by foot to her funeral. And they were beaten by Israeli riot police. So basically, Shirin was, uh, her body or her casket was in St. Joseph's Hospital. It was supposed to leave St. Joseph's Hospital in East Jerusalem and be taken to the Cathedral of the Annunciation in the Old City. For people in Jerusalem, but also in all of Palestine, Shirin was one of us. And so people wanted to carry her coffin and they got attacked by police. In an apparent effort to force the procession to take place by car, Israeli police charged at the crowd. Israeli police, they fired tear gas and stun grenades at the huge assembly of mourners. They beat up the pallbearers, which honestly, as, as soon as I watched that, like my heart broke into a million pieces. Because they drop the coffin a bit. It almost tipped over, but the guys were getting, who were carrying her, were getting beaten up, but they wouldn't let her go. And it just, it just showed the amount of like emotion and, and, and love and respect that they had for her. You could see from the footage that the Israeli police was going berserk at the sight of every Palestinian flag. You know, they even forcibly removed one from the hearse. Israel police said in a statement, stones and other objects were thrown and their officers acted to disperse what they called the rioters. 
the shocking images like they weren't just shocking to us they were shocking to people around the world i've never seen anybody beat up pallbearers at someone's funeral we have all seen uh, those images they're obviously deeply disturbing uh, the european union is appalled by the events that took place during the funeral procession the eu condemned this disproportionate use of force and this it just it just made people feel like you know, Shireen, they tried to stop her in, in her life and they tried to kind of like disrespect her in her death as well. At least that's how I felt. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com easy. Ramp.com easy. R-A-M-P easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C., on Tuesday, May the 14th, my colleague Mark Joseph Stern and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. In the days and weeks following Shireen Abu Akhla's death, three big media teams have investigated the way she was killed. Bellingcat, the open-source investigative journalism website, used photos, video, and statements from eyewitnesses and said the evidence suggested targeting rather than a spray of bullets aimed at an object or person. CNN released an investigation, too. Using video and photos and help from weapons experts, they concluded that Abu Akhla was killed in a targeted attack by Israeli forces. Even more recently, the Associated Press independently said the same. Meanwhile, the Israeli military insists that they need the bullet that killed Abu Akleh to determine how she was killed. Palestinian authorities say they don't trust the Israeli officials enough to hand over such a crucial piece of evidence. And Dalia Hatuka, 
she's skeptical that Israel wants to get to the bottom of this at all. Doing an investigation, the Israeli authorities can totally do one. They can do one by not even doing it on their own. They can bring somebody from Sweden, for all we know, you know? It could be like a third party. So it doesn't have to be, oh, either the Palestinians or the Israelis. I think it could be an international party of some sort. Yeah, it's interesting to me because I think it's interesting to compare the reaction here to the reaction to, say, the death of Daniel Pearl, the Wall Street Journal journalist who was killed in Pakistan 20-odd years ago. In that case, the U.S. sent the FBI to investigate. And I wonder if that could be a possibility here, too. Yeah, why wouldn't it be? I mean, Americans regularly train in Israel, like American, you know, forces or whether it's American police or... And the amount of money that's being pumped into Israel by America is astounding. So why not give this American citizen the justice that she deserves and, you know, get someone to be held accountable for her killing? I don't think Palestinians are children of a lesser God. I think everybody deserves justice and everybody deserves, you know, accountability, irrespective of their nationality. Recently, the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, has called for an independent investigation into Shireen Abu Akhla's killing. Had you been advocating for that kind of action and and speaking to people who, who might make it happen? I've been speaking to Shireen's family quite a lot. I know that Lincoln had talked to them, like I saw the footage of him calling them and he promised that he would do whatever he can to ensure that investigation is happening. But honestly, like nothing's happened. It's been a month. It's not that hard. There's footage, there's eyewitnesses, there's all kinds of stuff. This isn't a mystery. And the Americans have made it clear that Israel is an ally. They even after Shirin's death, they they said that, you know, the relationship between the two is ironclad. They used that word. And it hurts to hear that because you are favoring an entity over your own citizens. Israel can't keep getting away with this. Like if one of its soldiers did this, then they need to be punished. The Americans can do so much more. I know Al Jazeera has asked the International Criminal Court to investigate Shireen's death. But I was thinking about it and realizing that neither Israel nor the U.S. is a signatory to the ICC. Does that concern you? Do you think that's a real legitimate pathway? I'm not sure, honestly. I mean, I think if the ICC wants to investigate and there's an investigator that's coming in, the Israelis can easily just not let them through. Ultimately, Israel has the upper hand. So whether, you know, her case goes to the ICC or not, it depends on whether they're willing to cooperate. And I don't think they are. There was this AFP report. Agence France Press. Yes, um, that I saw a few weeks ago. And it said that since the year 2000, you know, close to when the Intifada started, no Israeli soldier has been held accountable for the death of any journalist, any journalist that was killed. In the last three decades, the Committee to Protect Journalists 
estimates that at least 19 reporters have been killed in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territories. I'm wondering if I can ask you, as a journalist, to talk about the news coverage of Shireen's death. Because it seems to me over the last month, there was an initial surge of stories. And now, you know, there's less momentum. And I know that some Palestinian journalists especially have basically accused the Western media of having a blind spot when it comes to Palestinian pain. Do you agree with that? Of course they have a blind spot. I mean, did you know that today there was, you know, a man, Palestinian man in his 20s who was killed? I don't think you knew. I don't think anybody knew. Because these, every single day, almost, on average, there's a Palestinian man or kid or, you know, woman that gets killed and it does not make any news. And then when Israelis are killed, we hear about it instantly. But here, here's what I need to say. I don't want anybody to be killed. I don't think anybody should be killed. I think, you know, there needs to be a solution. And in my mind, I know what that solution is. Many people might not agree, but ultimately, what happens is that Palestinian lives don't matter to a lot of, you know, the Western media. And they matter only in so much as they are relevant to Israeli lives or, you know, in Shirin's case, because she was American. Uh, so there always has to be a caveat, you know? Yeah. I was reading the work of another Palestinian-American journalist. She was writing in The Atlantic. And she talked about how being in her position felt especially dark looking at Shireen's death because she felt like she couldn't trust her own government to protect her if something happened to her because she was looking at how Americans had responded, especially the American government. And she said, no one's rushing in to mediate this. It's just kind of everyone for themselves. And I wondered if you felt like that, too. I do feel that way. I feel a darkness. I feel a sadness. I feel like, what is the point of this, you know? I think part of what some people's response to Shireen's death might be is that it seems so wild that Israeli soldiers would target a journalist because you ask yourself, why? What's the point of that? They're clearly in a press. They have the press sign on them. They have a helmet. Like, why are you targeting them? And I wonder what you would say to someone who has questions like that. I would say because they can and because they have done so in the past and they've gotten away with it. And they're going to get away with it this time around, too. And we've just lost our friend and our colleague and, you know, someone who was, who was so beautiful and they're going to get away with it because they can. I mean, I can tell you a thousand and one stories 
from the intifada years where i know people who lost their parents you know their parents were just sitting at a balcony and some israeli soldier just you know went by and shot them and they died this was in the early 2000s yes this was like in 2002 and it happened happened in in nablus and i still remember because that's the kind of horridness that stays in your mind because they can because when you put 18 year olds with guns and you tell them these people are bad something happens you know they can be trigger happy they can be whatever and mix that with hormones and and racism and i mean i i don't have an explanation because i've never held a gun but you know people do bad things sometimes and if they know they can get away with it, they, you know, they do it and they, they get away with it. Is there anything else you want to say or make sure we know about Shireen and, and her life and what happened? I just want people to remember her as funny, as someone who loved to shop and party and she had a sweet tooth. I rarely saw her sad or upset, even though she had lost her mom and dad at a younger age. And she covered so many tragedies, but her smile was constantly there, you know, covering Palestine is, you know, it's it's kind of depressing. But she was such a free spirit. And covering Israeli human rights abuses like never broke her and it never stopped her from appreciating and enjoying life. And I just wish that she was still around to appreciate and enjoy life. Delia Hatuka, thank you so much for joining me and being so generous with your time. Thank you for having me. If we turn off the recorders, will you tell me the dirty joke? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hold on. Dalia Hatuka is a multimedia journalist specializing in Israeli-Palestinian affairs and regional Middle East issues. In recent days, the Israel Defense Forces have said that while it's possible an Israeli soldier fired the bullet that killed Shireen Abu Akleh, quote, no IDF soldier deliberately fired at a journalist. That is the conclusion, and there is no other. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Del Shad, and Mary Wilson. We are getting a ton of support these days from Anna Rubinova and Sam Kim. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine. And I'm Mary Harris. Go find me on Twitter. You can see pictures of my dog and stuff. It's at Mary's desk. All right, thanks for listening. The show will be back in your feeds tomorrow. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.